I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and tell your friends to cool it. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and that's my fault. I put chili in his head. (laughs) (laughs) A throwaway line like that. I love a good a th- throwaway line. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, Anne doesn't throw anything away. She uses all parts of the line. Uh, just like the pleasantries in that scene, that opening scene of her and like talking to the principal and just like, uh, I mean, we'll get into it. But here sure. we are, Anne Dowd. This is actually uh, one of my, like something we've talked about, obviously, too, maybe on the podcast or off the podcast. But um you know, it's the Anne Dowd episode, really, uh, or like really, I guess a better way to say that is the Aunt Lydia episode, uh, season mm-hmm. three, episode eight, I think. Episode eight. Yep. Un- Unfit. Unfit. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's the thr- um, the flashback episode for anyone who is a Handmaid's Fail, Handmaid's Fail, Handmaid's Tale <laughs> fan. I swear I have a little bit of dyslexia. It's happening. But um it's it's we'll weird into to it you know i will i will <laughs> yeah um i really have to think about saying the word coin toss i think there is something like i always want to say toin toss like in my you, head i think you, you do you remember Did on I like say what's, that before no no you haven't said that before but it, what it makes me think of is rupaul and what's the tea talks about stuff like this all the time where he's like he'll say like a certain name it's like oh it's tough because you can't get from the n then to the t like i feel like you're not crazy. Like RuPaul would agree with you that like coin toss is tough because you have to get, you go coin and then you have to get back up to the top to toss. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I, it's a lot of acrobatics. Yeah. Yeah. Vogel acrobatics. But, um, this is all to say that, um, it's, it's weird to say that you're a fan of the handmaid's tale because it's such a heavy show. Like to say that you enjoy watching it is, it's kind of, I was talking to Keon about it, like, I think yesterday, the day before, like, how we all loved the Hunger Games, and, like, why do mm. we love stuff like this, or why does everyone love, like, so obsessed with true crime and, like, watching this, because typically mm. I, I don't, I love the Hunger Games, I was obsessed with it, but, like, I, I don't do true crime, but this, I think watching this made me want to, like, finish, or at least pick up where I left off with The Handmaid's Tale, your thoughts yeah i mean i think you bring up a very very good question and one that went through my mind many times watching this episode as someone who hasn't watched i think maybe i watched the first episode and like tried to get into it um but i certainly thought many times why do people watch this this is 
now let me also preface by saying that like an incredibly well-made show and beautiful acting writing all of it this is this is a well-done show but it's also like there is no joy in gilead i i there is no joy in this episode. There is yeah. no relief. You think there's going to be a joyful moment. The rug gets pulled out from under you. And yeah. and it's like, and every episode is probably like this. I just, I was just like, there were so many moments where I I was watching with my arms crossed under my chest, like clutching my chest, like, oh God, oh God, this is so tense. And just like waiting for someone to get shot or smacked or a baby to die. And then I was like, well, they're not going to show us the fetus. Oh, no, no, no. Let's get a close up of the fetus. Like it was just, <laughs> I just was like, oh my God. And, and, and at the same time, I thought for people who've been watching the show for a while, this episode and seeing Aunt Lydia like this must be so significant because like she is a monster. I mean, just a fucking monster. And I don't want to spend any more time with Aunt Lydia, but I can't help but just clap my, my paws off for Aunt Dowd. I can't believe that's Aunt Dowd. I mean... Here's oh, let me ask you this because I have I mean an infinite amount of words to describe and out in this show like have did you ever start the show is this the first episode you've ever watched what is your history with The Handmaid's Tale so yeah I think I do feel like I watched the first episode thinking okay let me or at least I tried to <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't know if I got through it because it just I just got the sense of like okay you know things are you know uh, it's not a not a beautiful day in the neighborhood in the handmaid's tale and i think what held me back from watching more was like it's not gonna get good it's not gonna there's not gonna be a relief anytime soon Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. my sense is we're gonna see a lot of misery because they got to build up how awful all this is before anything else can happen and now i'm getting the sense that like oh there's no catharsis yet like, maybe the season that's airing currently, or if there is one, I just... At what point is this not the most frustrating experience, is my question. Yeah, I mean, an excellent question. I, I'd i say, from what I know about the show, like, I've watched all of season one, and then I stopped after the first episode of season two because I was like, for the same reasons. I was like, mm-hmm. enough! This is not entertainment anymore. It is just... I'm too sensitive of a soul. And like, I really try to remind myself like, this is fiction. This is fiction. And I I think it's like a credit to the show that it's so well produced and costumed and lit and filmed and acted that like, it does feel real, especially like this came out like when Trump got elected, I think in Mm -hmm. 2016, like it was too eerie of a, of a show to come out. But like an, an, at the same time, I think that's why it also did so well at the same time. I I am in awe of Anne Dowd in this show. Like, I I want us both to watch it just because, like, I know a season one Anne Dowd of, like, what she did. And, like, I know it only gets better. And she is a force of nature in this show. And you saw, like, a glimpse of it in here, too. But, like, there's so many other good moments through that turmoil, I guess. I get what you're saying. Keon said, I'll finish up with this. Keon said, season two is rough. And that's where I Oof. stopped. Like, it was, 
it was a lot. It is not a show to binge by any means. Oh, God, but, no. Um, and season three is where you kind of start to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And then season four is where you really kind of feel that uh, catharsis or just like uh, vindication, I guess. I don't know what happens at the end of season four. I didn't watch it yet because I, I kind of want to watch it now. I, yeah. I don't want to and I do because I'm like, these women. I mean, it like for everything I have to say about Anne Dowd at the same time, it's also Elizabeth Moss. Like just the, know. the exquisite agony of Elizabeth Moss. Like it's just, and knowing that like what we saw this episode was a glimpse again, was a, was a drop in the bucket of like the actressing that she does on this show. It's, I, it, it's just bananas. I mean, even like they show the little flash, the little preview from the, the last episode and you know, oh, there's yes, that clip the of her. Yeah, like, you fucking bitch. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is like everything I love. I know. I, I'm so conflicted. You know, it's uh, it's pizza with olives on it. It's like, oh, yes. don't, how dare you? You know, I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I've, I've thought about it a lot. Like, I, if ever there was a show for us to do like a deep dive and like so many I, yeah, so many women. We have Anne, we have Elizabeth, Samira Wiley. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's, I, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. I was like looking through kind of like the cast list because obviously I'm like, okay, characters have come and gone. Like, where is, you know, Yvonne Strahovski? I don't know. I don't know where those Waterfords are, if they're still in the show, but I was like, where is she? Like, yeah. You know, there's so many ladies and there's so much. Yeah, there's, I mean, for people who've watched The Handmaid's Tale, they're like, I know. And for people who aren't watching The Handmaid's Tale, maybe it's for the same reason. They're like, yeah, I know. But, like, I just, it's been a rough year or two. I just don't think yeah. I can take this on. But it's, um, at the same time, I'm glad, because I knew about this episode. I knew that there mm-hmm. was an Aunt Lydia flashback episode. And and I thought, oh, man, that's probably great. Because you get, you know, you get to see more more van obviously yeah and i thought oh but like i couldn't i'd have to earn my way there i'd have to watch two and a half seasons Mm -hmm. of the handmaid's tale to finally get to this moment and i'm glad we just cut the line and we're just like screw it there might be scenes that i don't understand and things that i missed but like the flashbacks i feel like well you know everybody starts at a level at the same level there you know like um, yeah. So even if you're just jumping in this episode, like the flashbacks are a little bit of a standalone story. So this, I'm glad that we could cheat and jump right to them. But at the same time, I could, I could recognize for someone who's been sticking with the show for so long, like when that, when you get that first flashback of her with her hair down, like being so chill and relaxed with that kid, it must have been like just such a moment. Like mm-hmm. when I just I even even from what I had seen of like quote-unquote present-day Aunt Lydia, I was like, wow, this is a transformation. Yeah, she's a revelation. I, I've i listened to so many podcasts and interviews with Anne, you know, in the past, like, year, ever since I've really, like, kind of, she's been on my radar, but specifically when we started doing this podcast. And I, it's like, she's such a pro, and I, like, I, I would love to just sit down and talk to her about Aunt Lydia, and I bet, I bet I feel like, I think I sent you that one episode, too. She's like, I can't talk about Aunt Lydia because I just start to weep. She's oh. like, I feel like there's such a connection there, and I think that, like, she's an actor's actor, if that makes sense, and I feel mm-hmm. like she, it's, it's like the Viola Davises and the Merrills, and, um, 
commitment in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's part of me that also thinks she can just like end the scene and just like, you know, go have a cup of coffee with uh, with Liz, Liz Moss, you know? Right, Lizzie. right, yeah. Lizzie, you want to go get a Frappuccino? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know, but I um, I just really am in awe of her always, but specifically in this show. Yeah, I mean, I I, I always think about that with roles like this, and, I'm, and I feel like this show is a great example of like, what happens when you call cut in some of these scenes? You know, I... We talked about on, there was an episode of All Right, Mary, where we were talking, we got into some tangent about the movie Monster, and yes. there was a, a yes, making yes. of, have we talked, have I, do you know about this, there's a making of a monster where it kind of shows some moments of like Charlize Theron having to kind of like walk off set after the scene was over, and like the director had to go give her a hug, and it was just like all kind of about her, like like the emotional work of playing Eileen Warnos, and, uh, and I wonder, like, like I, I, there's a part of me and it makes me think about that question of like, why do people watch this stuff? Why do people love true crime is like, why do I love watching these people suffer for their art? You know, like, why do mm-hmm. I love when like, uh, this, I feel like this, we must've talked about this, but it's worth retelling is when Fiona Shaw was in Medea on Broadway and she did an interview. I remember reading in the newspaper and she did an interview where she said, basically I, I do the show and then I'm so physically exhausted afterwards that I pretty much collapse into bed as soon as it's, as soon as I'm home. And then I'm pretty much wiped until I have to get up and do the show again the next day. It it takes me an entire day to like get back up again and do it again. And I was, and it was like, to me, that is, that is the actress sexual equivalent of like the first time I saw gay porn where I was like, Oh, I love this. And I don't know why. (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, I'm just like, I kind of feel that way about like, you know, Anne Dowd in this or Elizabeth Moore, really any of them in this of like, do you have that moment where you just have to go like cry it out because it got too real? Like, how do you fucking do this? You know? I don't know. I'm I'm assuming there's like a little bit of a come down, so to speak. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder where Anne falls on the, you know, from one to Charlize. Like, how does that? Because I, I, I was saying yes, 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 because I remember that moment when you talked about it on All Right, mm-hmm. Mary. And then like cut cut to you said this, uh, you know, Tony Collette in Hereditary that just like screams like goes to a 27 and then she just cuts and she's like, OK, yeah, let's go home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tony Collette. I it was like so, you know. Again, it a was let like down in a way. A yeah. letdown. Actress sexual blue balls when she does this interview, and they're like, "How did you do those scenes?" And she's like, ah, "Well, it's a job. What are you gonna do?" You know, like she just, you know, wasn't shaken by it. And I just was like, "Come on, Tony. Come on. At least you were a little bit hoarse after that. Give me that. Sure, Tell me you needed yes. a cough drop. You know." Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, Anne, it's just, I, Anne in this show specifically too, I'm so glad that it's, I'm so glad that she's Aunt Lydia. Like, I know that's like a simple thing to say too, but like, I wonder who else they saw for this role and Mm. like what that looked like and what did Anne, I, I mean, obviously we know she's, she's perfect for it too, but like, what was that deciding moment in the casting room? You know, like I just, I'm so fascinated by that, but you know, here she is, an Emmy, one Emmy in hand. You know, I mean, if you haven't watched that acceptance speech, go watch it because it's a delight. I've probably um, watched it, but it's probably worth 
rewatching. Is that when she's like really surprised in the audience yes, when they call her? Yes, she doesn't oh. know what to do. Yes. Oh, I love that moment. Hello, everyone. Um, well, I think this is a dream, you know? Um, I know it's an actor's dream, and I'm deeply grateful to you. I've been acting for um, a long time, and that this should happen now, I, I don't have the words, so I thank you. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood. Thank you, Margaret. Bruce Miller. Warren Littlefield, thank you. And Hulu, and they're very lovely, Hulu. And, <laughs> and MGM. Uh, Lizzie, you're here in the front row, I think. Uh, I love you, doll. My beautiful cast and all who were nominated. Um, I wouldn't have a career if my manager, Marsha McManus, hadn't been in my life. She gave me a chance when I couldn't put two sentences together. And that was many years ago. Gary Gersh is my agent. He's very lovely and smart. I thank you. Innovative. You know, my husband is here and I love him so. He's Larry Arancio. And my children. I have some beautiful children and their names are Liam, Emily and Trust and I love them to pieces. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You know, there's the, there was a part of me that was thinking about watching this that it's incredible to me that Anne Dowd is not stuck with like Dwight Schrute syndrome here where like she's only typecast in these like mean yeah. old lady roles because she is so good at it that, that I and I adore Anne Dowd and have seen her in other things and, you know, am waiting to just continue to see her in more things. And I know her the least from this show, to, you know, basically. But then by the end of rewatching, you know, rewatching it again today, I was like, I was like hard for me to to remember like, oh, God, that's Anne Dowd, who I love. That's Anne Dowd. Yeah. I love her. Yes. And. You know, I think about, like, you know, you look at Rain Wilson, it's like, I can't see him doing anything else other than playing Dwight Schrute. And, like, I, you could you could see the same thing happening to Anne Dad with this role. It's not happening, but it's just, like, yeah. how much she becomes Aunt Lydia. Mm-hmm. I think it's also because, I think with, like, the sitcom stars, like, I mean, not that The Office is, like, a sitcom, but, like, it is. Mm. You know, it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think of, like, Michael Richards as Kramer, you know? Right. And, like, mm-hmm. they're, like, they have such distinct features, but I think also before that, and I don't know, like, their entire IMDb's, both of them, but, like, I feel Anne had, like, you know, she had Compliance, she had Garden State, she had, like, a, a pretty good body of work before that, playing, you know, normal moms and stuff like that. I think this is, like a sort of niche character that really allows her to go. (sighs) She's allowed to do everything in this show. And especially with this episode, we are allowed to see the warmth of Anne Dow that she like just exudes in real life too. So um, I don't really know where that thought is ending up, but you know, I just love Anne. Well, I guess my, my question to that I think is, the because we do obviously see a very warm and you know aunt lydia especially you know once we get into the flashbacks obviously from at least what you had seen in season one is this really the most like relaxed warm human lydia that we we have seen up until this point like have we ever seen like 
Aunt Lydia untucked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, at least, I mean, I stopped, unless it happens in season two and the first seven episodes of season three, I don't think there's another episode like this, which is why, like, it's so singular and so, like, I think a lot of people were buzzing about it because I think a lot of people wanted it. Uh, so yeah. many people were... Because you see a lot of uh, June, um, who's Elizabeth Moss's character, you see like you see that journey, flashbacks at least of like her life before Gilead, and then like during it a lot too. So you get to see that with almost eh, I shouldn't say almost everyone, but um, so I think they really like to wait three seasons to do that. Like they yeah. they really make you wait for it, but it it is worth it in a way too because it's there's always a sort of sense of sympathy for her too. And I think that's yeah. also Anne Dowd being Anne Dowd. Well, yeah. I mean, when we, when the first flashback scene and those early moments with the kid, Ryan, I just kept from the interviews I've heard and seen with Anne Dowd, I was like, Oh, this is just Anne Dowd. Like this is, you know, lovely Anne Dowd, you know, she's like, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I know how to be with the little kid. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, and, and I thought, Oh, like that was also, I think what made then the, like the present day Aunt Lydia so much more impressive and like a reminder of like Anne Dowd, like remembering like Anne Dowd on like Stephen Colbert, how lovely she was in that interview. Oh, yes. Go that watch woman, that, everyone. Yeah, that woman is playing Aunt Lydia. Like it is like it is just worth repeating. And I think this episode shows you that if you don't watch interviews with Anne Dowd, I don't know why you deprive yourself. Of, of just how much she is not Aunt, uh, Aunt Lydia, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that's... I think when people play, like, really... Similar to what you're saying about sitcoms, but I think when people play really mean characters, I think of, like... Or, like, James Gandolfini playing Tony Soprano. People yeah. would always say, oh, in real life, he's the nicest guy. But when you watch that show, you're like, oh, my God. Like, he must... Like, I'm terrified. What if I ever saw him on the streets? So, you know, I'd, I'd run the other way. And it's like... Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just love that. I, I feel like, yeah, Anne Dowd, she is, she is, she is the James Gandolfini of our time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put that on a tote bag. I yes. love that. I, I mean, it makes me wish the two of them could have been in something together. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be great. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do love that that first scene of her with. We, we kind of get the sense of okay, she's you know, she's got some feelings for the principal and she's, you know, uh, she's loosened. She's certainly a looser energy than we see her in present day, but there, she's still a Bible quoting, you know, um, pious woman. And I thought it was interesting that while she is not the hard bitch that we see in Gilead today, there's threads from the very beginning that are, that are current. Like it's not like it's a day and night transformation that happens. Yeah. I remember reading, um, I haven't finished it, which I'm ashamed to say, but like I read The Handmaid's Tale and then I started reading uh, The Testaments, which is, which is like the, um, is it a prequel? Gosh, I read half of it. But anyways, one of the things that they talked about was like how people, women who had like, we kind of get these little Easter eggs of like how she was in like um, family law and right. how she and like and how like she knows her Bible and she believes in, you know, at her core, she is um, a moral and good person. And like all of those things sort of add up to Aunt Lydia and like how they would pluck women from these specific types of jobs or like that had some sort of inclination to be 
an aunt or a Martha or, I mean, unfortunately, the hand, the handmaid is kind of the next thing down, too. But, mm. um, it, but it really does inform... It's written so well because it's just kind of plucked in. Like, the Bible verses are first... And then, like, there's, uh, you know, she's in family law when she goes on the date with um, right. Jim, Principal Thorne, and just these little nuggets. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is such great writing, too, because it's just like, mm-hmm. it's so natural that we find these things out. And I don't know if it is a Catholic school or not. I don't know. Right. I mean, no one's, she's not a nun. Yeah, and you don't see really any, like, crucifix on the wall or anything, because I went to Catholic school, and it pretty much look you know like a public school except yeah there'd be the random crucifix or there's oh there's jesus in the religion class yeah yes but yeah it was um i agree i felt like the way that they gave us so many details about her life and about this other um this brian's mother what was her name noel Uh, noel and you know just how they even how they show the evolution of noel getting the job at the makeup store, you know, wherever she works now that isn't the bar. And um, they just managed to kind of show and not tell in a way that it reminded me of that episode of Hacks and that one scene that I hated where I was like, you guys couldn't bear it where, the, where it's like um, the agent and Meg Stalter in the car. And oh, they just yeah. decided to be like, wow, I can't believe I have to go to Vegas now to clean up your mess. We're on the, yes. we're on the way to the airport. Now I'm coming with you. Like it was just unforgivably bad writing in front of a green screen. And I thought this was the polar opposite. It was like, wow, you really, there was no lazy writing here. Uh, yes. And even the line of like when Noel's like, so do you have somebody in your, your life, like a boyfriend or girlfriend? And the way that Ann Dowd like looks at her, but really uh-huh. it's like, uh, no. But then like the line, um, we learned that she was married. He was yeah. a mistake. That's all she says. He was a mistake. I'm like, there's so much in that sentence. There's so much in that sense. Cause I, I felt like while we were getting a whole backstory on Aunt Lydia this episode, this was only one layer and that there yeah. was even more muck yes. underneath the surface of like what happened. Because I feel like there is some like severe trauma in Lydia's life, obviously. Like yeah. there, I, I, I got the sense there was some kind of sexual trauma in her life. I wonder if it was related to the husband or mm-hmm. when she was younger, but there was definitely like, oh, you and sex have a... a fucked up relationship let's put it that way and i i felt like the way the choice to say i was married he was a mistake it was like oh god when is the next flashback to that like that's what i want to spend a whole episode on was aunt lydia's marriage yeah i mean it could be it honestly could be like a whole novel and i will say the testaments it's like it's kind of divided up with three different women to mm-hmm. my to my recollection, and Aunt Lydia is one of them, and then there's two other women that they focus on, and like the Aunt Lydia chapters are, it was like catnip. I was like, tell mm. me everything. I think it's yeah. worth like, if you can like get your hands on it, I'm sure it's at the library. Um, I think you'd really like it a lot. The writing is is great, and you learn even more about Aunt Lydia in that book too. So it's a continuation of everything you're sort of or an extension of like what you're kind of what we're kind of craving because this is just mm. a taste like you said do you think it's necessary to read the handmaid's tale first before reading the testaments 
I did. I think I read the book first before I watched, because um, I never read it in school or high school or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, and it just never came across my path. But um, I think this is one of the rare circumstances where the show elevates the book. And it's mm. not that the book is bad by any means, because it's a great book, but I do think, like... Um, because I read it fairly quickly. It's a quick read. And then I just sort of dived in. And um, yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't say that too often. I feel like I've actually never said it. But um, like, you know, the movie's always better than the book. But in this case, it's like the TV is, there's just so much more that they can do and with the television show and so much more story to tell and so much more nuance to, to kind of dig up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's my, those are my thoughts. Now, as a uh, someone who's you know also a, a sensitive soul, how much how was the book a rough read? You know, was it just like oh god, like how <laughs> did you did you need a pick me up afterwards? Like, what was your emotional state reading the book? No, I kind of whizzed through it to be honest. Uh-huh. I feel like the book is a little bit, even though it's the same subject matter. I felt no, I never felt the way I felt what am I trying to say here about the show that I felt about the book? That was like a really weird sentence, but we all know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. It's a, I, I read it and, you know, was able to still fall asleep at night and not stare at the wall and be like, uh, okay, yeah. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would say both books honestly are, are okay. pretty, I, w- I don't want to say tame because they're not in any way, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe it's just because the words and, and like seeing it, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I, you know, th- there's probably a whole tangent there about, like, especially, like, you know, horror novels versus movies based, based on them, you know, like, you know, the the imagery you see in your head of a scene and then how it gets created in a movie, I feel like it's probably similar here where, like, the sort of dystopian nightmare of The Handmaid's Tale in the book and then how much more they could, like, like... In my mind, I wouldn't spend so much time on the dead fetus in in my fantasy reading yeah. of this episode if it were in a book. Whereas watching this, I was like, well, they're not going to show us. No, maybe we'll see like a glimpse of it. Oh, no, let's zoom in and make sure that we can see the cord wrapped around its neck. Like, yeah. That scene, because obviously the episode then bounces back to this, this uh, unfortunate, you know, uh, birth of this baby that is, you know, uh, dies in the womb i don't understand why they don't have babies in hospitals if babies are so precious in gilead like why aren't they not having That's a baby very in interesting a great question i think it's like, like that, uh, the natural birth of it all too i just feel like that if i think if you were in a hospital there maybe there was something You'd be they, able to see that yeah, yeah i don't know it just seems to me like if everything because i haven't i know bits and pieces about gilead but like if everything really hinges on babies i <laughs> i'm <laughs> I don't know. I might at least go to like to an urgent care. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes. Cause they have it. They have yeah. the, it's not like they've gone back or regressed to like the stone age. Like that technology still exists. There are some episodes where there are, there are some hospitals involved, but um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that there should be, I, it's probably just because some sort of like it's God's will sort of thing. I'm imagining. Yeah. At least. But that, that would be a great, question to pose for like you know the handmaid's tale writer's room i would love to be right there. yeah it just um, seems like the obvious like i get it like it, apparently supermarkets have gone downhill but i assume hospitals are still in good shape you know yeah um, i would i would also add to that like not that this excuses it by any means because that is hard to watch the the, the close-up of the fetus but like 
at this point, you've pretty much seen it all and in some uh-huh. ways seen worse. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, that's pretty bad, of yeah. course. But like, I guess you kind of become a little bit of a, like a lot of babies. I don't want to say like dozens of babies die, but like that's it's a known thing. You've seen it happen before. And even in season one, it just mm. it just happens a lot. And I'm I don't know if you noticed this either, too, but like the whole there's some beautiful like aerial shots of all the handmaids sort yeah. of, like around them. But like the mm-hmm. wife who is Baron kind of hold like they put her behind the handmaid to simulate yep. that it's her having the baby. And then you get to see her reaction as if it was, it was I mean, awful. it was going to be her child, of course. Yeah. But like the huddle of the handmaids around, um, I think it's off Andy of Andy really, um, is, is really, far more effective too like i i feel you feel obviously more for the handmaid than you do the wife and that's yeah yeah it's a really i mean it's a it it's such a like seeing the wife's grief it's like oh that's really sad but this is a really fucked up situation at the same time and it it almost isn't your loss in a way it's weird and it's the that whole moment with the handmaids that sort of group grief moment there's a Mm -hmm. a very similar moment in the movie midsummer which Uh, yeah yeah, which I, I haven't seen since I saw it out in theaters. It was long. Florence Pugh is um, is great in it. I mean, but mm-hmm. there is a moment in that in the like, first 15 minutes that like is burned into my brain, and I just like would skip that immediately if I were to rewatch that movie. It is just the most awful visual. So um, I can't say I recommend Midsummer. I don't think you would enjoy it. But um, I think you could just watch the scene of the group grief on YouTube and be perfectly content. There's a lot of me that wants to watch it. But I, I mean, I still full. I, I really have <laughs> just started to recover. From, yeah. Uh, Hereditary. Well, yes. And yeah. I, I, but also, like, I feel like the scariest part of Midsummer is like a lot of it happens during the daytime. Am I wrong? All like, of I'm it. Sure, obviously, there, there's a lot of night. There, it gets to be nighttime at some point, right? I don't know. So I think the whole thing with Midsummer is that there's like no nighttime, and I can't remember. Oh, I kind of love that though. Yeah, I feel like that would help me in a way. Like that's part of the fucked up thing is like, oh, it's never dark, and if and maybe it is for like an hour or two. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's a whole thing with horror movies is when there's things that happen in the daytime, and like it's actually for some people it's actually scarier because you don't see things like. A perfect example, of course, my favorite is the ending of Texas Chainsaw Massacre all happens in the morning. And so it's like even more fucked up because like, oh, this is weird. Uh, But anyway, uh, all that to say, Midsummer, yeah, if you want to watch it, I won't stop you. But uh, maybe skip the first 15 minutes. minutes, Watch out for, yeah, there's something with a hose and you're not going to like it. (laughs) A hose? Oh my god! Okay, I can only—I can't even imagine what that looks like. Yeah, but, uh, maybe I'll—I'll—maybe I'll tell you off the air just in case nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, sure. Um, gosh. Um, but where were we here? So uh, back to—I mean, there, you—you're meeting Elizabeth Moss's character in a really interesting like part of the show because she sort of like has this like I don't give a fuck attitude. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's uh-huh. not participating. And I asked Keon about that, and like from what he remembers, like. Because she says to Aunt Lydia, like, I hope I don't need to be on. She's like, you want to cut my tongue out or like, I don't know, burn my arm or something. And right. she's like, let's hope that I don't need to be on TV sometime soon. So she's kind of like this untouchable 
person for the time being. And so it's like she gets away. She's just kind of like standing there with like a cigarette. If she could smoke, she'd have a cigarette. In terms of just economical acting, I mean, that shot, that brilliant shot towards the end when she turns her head and like half of her face is covered by her hood and you just see her start to smile. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Handmaid's Tale. That is so cool. I wish I could keep watching this. That is so cool. Uh, that little moment of, like, I don't know, of just delight. And, yes. uh, yeah, it's it, it, I could tell, like, okay, this is an evolution. June has, has gotten to some point where she's got some kind of leverage or some kind of power brewing. Mm-hmm. To be honest, if I were to keep watching this, I'd probably just read some notes. And then me, personally, is then yeah. just skip to season four. Because I just want to see, I hate to say this because I love the woman, but I just want to see Aunt Lydia get punched in the face or something, you know? I mean, like, there are some moments in earlier, I feel like you should watch, I think it happens in season two or three, there's another moment. It might be Alexis uh, Bledel. Uh-huh. Something, to, she gets, yeah, she, I, without saying anything either too, like I could tell you off offline if you want to, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, she is. Um, it's funny that you say that because like Keon and I were laughing about it because almost every episode ends with Elizabeth Moss, just like her head slightly down and her eyes and just like, it's almost like maybe a smile or maybe just like this, like rage. And I don't know. Uh-huh. It's just like a funny thing about the handmaid's tale. Like anyone who's watched it knows that that's, that is a very common way to end the episode. Um, but they don't like really lean in too much to that. But for this loved it, loved it. Well, the ending, there was also this part of me that felt like the way that it all played out. It felt like a curb your enthusiasm moment where she was just like, it was like, ah, fuck you know yes, <laughs> like yeah you da-da, know da-da, like da-da, are you da-da, uh-huh <laughs> there was time you could edit in that edit that in instead of k sarah sarah yes. i was like this is totally her larry david moment it was yeah, you know I, I mean turn out the way she wanted it yeah yeah uh i mean that also that what was her name of matthew that actress fucking goes through it this episode jesus yeah her name is ashley uh lathrop and she is great Oh a my lot god! Of, a lot of great crying with her, yeah. And like how, because she basically rats out a Martha in like the previous episode, and the the Martha, who's kind of like a housekeeper slash cook sort of situation, okay. gets hanged because of it, and because there's the Marthas are slowly starting to start from what Keon says and from what I can remember with what he told me, the Marthas are like kind of at the forefront in addition to like June, but like of starting this sort of revolution. So, okay, um, cool. Mm-hmm. So of Matthew r- rats them. Like she, she kind of loves Gilead. She think like, I think her life before this, like was not so great. So the fact uh-huh. that she is taken care of and like seeing, you know, it's like, she's actually into it. So she follows the rules, which is why she ratted out that Martha who got hanged. And then Elizabeth Moss at the, in the previous episode like that flashback is like you know really letting her have it oh and, i uh, love that yeah uh but yeah anyway um back to i don't i mean do you want to talk about bradley whitford it's just that one scene you know like he's great he's you know silver fox bradley whitford he's yeah he ha- he had kind of a like there was a moment where he gave me like mandy patinkin vibes i don't know <laughs> sure, what it was gotcha. like there was just a, like an older Mandy Patinkin, obviously, like a current yeah. Mandy Patinkin. Uh, yeah, he's he's great. I mean, 
you know, I, I, I liked him more in other people and that I liked that character more, obviously like there was this character. I was like, Oh God, you're, you're one of those people who's you that, like watching that one scene with him. I was like, Nobody ever just cracks a fucking joke in this town, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone just, like, sits in the dark reading. And, like, everyone is just, like, it, it, it's, oh, it, it's Dickensian misery. Like, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, they have that interaction, and then she, like, goes upstairs and, like, grinds her fingernails into a door jam. And I was like, oh, my God. This <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Oh, like somebody needs to like have a cup of chamomile tea and lay down for a minute. Like this place is <laughs> miserable. Uh, someone needs a rescue oh, remedy so up good. in here. Uh, yes. So, um, but we what do else get Aunt Lydia. Yeah, go ahead, Aunt Lydia. Go ahead. So I wanted to ask. I wanted to get what were your thoughts on the scene of her getting her makeup done? Because I at first oh. was like, oh, is she a lesbian? I mean, got kind of sexy. <laughs> it's very much like in college we used to stroke each other, Barbara Covet vibes. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, the yeah, way, totally. So yeah, and I didn't pick up on. I've only watched this episode a handful of times, and I never really paid much attention to it. So like, maybe there is some sort of like, she's relaxed, and it's a mm-hmm. shift with. Uh, it's a shift, yeah. It's and the, funny the close because close ups on her eyes, yeah. Yeah, it's like I want to you almost want to call her Lydia in the first half of the episode and then there's a very specific point where she becomes like Aunt Lydia, which I love. Oh, um, which we'll talk it's about. It's the hair. Yeah, yeah, it's the hair. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh. The hair. I was like, "Oh, what? that is so gay. I love it." <laughs> yes, she looks like the the trunchbull in a way. Yes. Um, that, like that tight bun. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll get to that too. But like, uh, it's, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, cause it makes sense that she would turn so quickly when Noel was like, do you have a girlfriend or mm, yeah, I don't know. Was... I think there's something there. Something was there because it was like, there was a sensuality to her getting her makeup done that you could yes, see her yes, yes, feeling yes. something. And, and we were being shown her feeling something and like, that there were just a couple of close-ups on her eyes where I was like, oh, you know, and Dowd, like what you can do with just a close-up of your eyes, I, mm-hmm. it's just fucking ridiculous. Like it told me so much. I was like, wow, something is happening here. And I love that like we don't really have the answer and that it doesn't have to be one thing. And it would actually make sense to me if she was like a whole knot of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there maybe there was some latent homosexuality. There was an abusive husband. There was this like I feel like it takes a lot to make an Aunt Lydia, you know? Yeah. I, I also love like just another Easter egg here is when little Ryan thanks and he, the first time we hear her say or hear him say really Aunt Lydia. Thanks Aunt mm. Lydia. And I mm-hmm. just like got like I got all like ooh like it's just you don't even know who Aunt Lydia is now at this point too, but like, it's just sort of, it's like a, like a villain backstory. You know what I mean? Like uh, Mm -hmm. the Maleficent movie or something like that, but like gayer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I was going to say, this is like, you know, young Hitler in art class. You know what I mean? Like, like, Oh God. Like, Oh, it's just that sense of like, Oh, the monster is just like growing before our eyes right now, you know? And, uh, and then she, that being said, 
I and again, what must have just been such a shock to anybody who just been watching the show and you know really knowing Ann Dowd as Aunt Lydia is she goes on this date and mm-hmm. I mean that sh- like she looked gorgeous with her hair yeah. down and her makeup and it just. I thought, like, to your point, they waited two and a half seasons for this, but, like, the impact that must have felt to see her like that after two and a half seasons. Yeah, I mean, that that's sort of, like, uh, sequined, like, I don't even know, like a shawl. I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, it was like sensible. She pushes through the beaded yeah. curtains. She's, I don't, like, just, you can almost hear what's going through her head, through, like, her physical, yeah. like, just looking in the mirror, like, what am I doing here? Is he yeah. Sta- like, almost, like, is he going to stand me up? Like, oh my goodness. I didn't, like just seeing all the young people in a way, like just kind mm-hmm. of like, oh gosh, fish out of water, you know? Yeah. Um, situation. I would have just run out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she spots Principal Thorne and then they have this like lovely dinner, like this New Year's, it's New Year's Eve. We learned. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. And they have like a nice little spot. You know, there was a... When she was talking about doing family law, this is like the smallest detail, and I can't even remember what it was exactly, but there was when she talked about how family law was trickier before and how it's better now, and she says, because it's all been privatized. And the way she says privatized is really great. She gets kind of like throaty raspy. This is like the tiniest of details, but for some reason that stuck with me as the way she said the word privatized. Yeah. Of like somebody who knew this world of family law, you know? Yeah. I, I just like a little bit of like a plosive on that P there. She's just kind of like grossed out by it. But I, mm-hmm. there, there's something about the way, cause so they're having this dinner, like they're talking. I feel like at some point they, they order champagne. He has to kind of like talk her into it. And he says like, mm-hmm. it's a special occasion. And she's like, okay, why not? And just the way, cause I think I'm, I just love the way that they chose these words that, uh, principal thorne says i've always admired you and i think that is like more so than being i mean i i know that like aunt lydia that we know now there's something even in the testaments too that like being admired and respected is something that aunt lydia like craves more than anything Mm. um so the fact that he said that to her and the fact in the pause she takes before she says i'm I'm fond of you too. <laughs> that sort of like lilt in her voice. Oh gosh, it is. It's such a good moment. It's such like a, it, it's one of those moments that is so like tender and human that you're like, oh God, this only makes whatever's going to happen next worse. You know, but like, I know this isn't going to end well. And I just like, I, it was crazy to just like feel bad for Lydia in that moment and to like sympathize with this evil character. Yeah. They zoom in on them holding hands was my next note. And I can't remember why they were holding hands. Were they lighting something? Because they they say grace together. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which is like a thing. If people do that, that's fine. But I always feel like it's a thing. People who say grace in public, you know, like I always notice that when you're at a restaurant, you're like, oh, those those people are saying grace right now on a Friday's. All right. Yeah, like, I always feel like I'm intruding. I'm like, don't look at them. They're doing their mm-hmm, thing. Just let them do right. it. I don't know. There is something very uh, private and personal about it that I'm like, all right. Right. You yeah. do you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I feel God in this Chili's tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I, 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 and speaking of the office, I, I, that's the other 
time I've seen very uncomfortable karaoke to Islands in the Stream is when Jim yes. has the party at his house and then Michael starts. Um, I and and yelling or crying out, I don't sing, I don't sing was so I was almost afraid that Lydia was going to have like a freak out and not mm-hmm. play along with it because if she was so alarmed. But then Anne's like performance of karaoke, there's so many nuances she captured. Like she wasn't yeah. suddenly good at it. She wasn't atrociously bad at it. She wasn't totally singing along to the beat correctly. She was having a good time, but she was kind of embarrassed. It was one of the best performances of karaoke I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I it, it starts off with her and I don't know if this is an intentional, but if it was, I can't even, I don't even know how I would, I would react if I, I, I want to like ask her that question. She was clapping on one and three as opposed to two and four, which is a very like musical nerd sort of thing. But like, mm-hmm. of course, Aunt Lydia would clap on one and three and not two and four. You know, if, if it's, it's yeah. just like, it's the wrong beats. And she's cla- like, and like, that's when she's, uh you know, when the song starts, it's so perfect. And I laughed out loud and I was like, I don't know, like if she can clap on two and four in real life or if that was a choice i i just loved it though and yeah like being dragged up on the way she grabs the mic it's such a moment it's such a moment the way she puts her her head against his shoulder and but it's and and the way that she also kind of gets into it and like it it's not a humiliating moment and it's um it all of it it was just so well done i think all of it was intentional i feel like Maybe she was even the one who was like, oh, I feel like Lydia would clap off the beat. Like, Anne, to me, feels mm-hmm. just feel like she would make that call. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, exactly. I, it was, I, I was just so in awe because I think it's so, it's so easy to miss all of the nuances of karaoke and just go to either someone suddenly being an amazing singer or being atrociously comedically bad. This was so in the middle. This was so, oh, there were so many things happening during this karaoke. Do you want to know actually one of my favorite and it might even be like number one of, of performing karaoke is Cameron Diaz in my best friend's wedding. Oh yeah. I could do like a whole Ted talk about that scene because like she is like singing and crying at the same time. And you could tell it is genuine embarrassment and like how she doesn't, I think they sing. I just don't, I just don't know what to do with my time you uh-huh. know, with myself, all that stuff. And it's so bad and so good. Do you know what I'm talking? It's probably been a while since you've seen it. Yeah. It, it has been a little while, but I, I do remember it. I can remember her face. I can't remember all the details, but that's, I mean, that's a, that's a performance worth revisiting is Cameron Diaz in my As best Kimmy. friend's wedding. Is Kimmy because it's like that movie. People are always like, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Poor the Julia. British one." Yeah, there's Julie, uh, then there's George, there's the gay friend, yes. and it's like, what's his name? That guy, him. Oh you know gosh, what I'm why about. are we blanking? Yeah, right? I'm like I know Rooney, but that's not. Him. I know. Oh my goodness! Oh. I'll look it up as you talk. Uh, you... Rupert Everett. Yes, Rupert. There it is, Rupert Everett. Uh, but you know, it, it's worth mentioning. It's worth remembering Cameron Diaz in that movie. I, I, we could totally do that episode. The bathroom scene is great. Um, I think she's, I think that's one of her best films. <laughs> Honestly, I think she's so, she has a hard job and that movie's she so does. messed up as it is too. You know, like it's, I feel like it's on like, I hate it, but I love it. That podcast, like how yes. Julia Roberts is a monster 
and we mm-hmm. should be rooting for Cameron Diaz, but we don't. Um, yeah, put that on the list. Put that on the list. And also, and there's it some has, other great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it has one of my favorite movie lines is when Julie Roberts goes, I've got moves you've never seen. <laughs> Oh she's God. like holding a tray with drinks. <laughs> so, yes. I think. But anyway, I've always I've just had that in my head for like decades now. You know, yeah, so uh so we have this amazing karaoke scene and then yeah, they go they're back. Dancing. They're, yeah, oh, they're yeah. dancing, that's right, they're dancing. And like again, this it made me think of the movie Carrie, where uh yes. when they're at the prom and they're dancing and everything is going well and you're like, uh, again, it's like this is going too well. This is not going to end well. I know this isn't going to end well. And like the better it goes now, the worse it's going to be later, you know? Yeah. I uh, I know. It's just like if we just stopped watching now, it would be great. Yeah, totally. And, I, uh, I'd be content just cutting it off now. Yeah. And the way that he goes in to kiss her is really specific. Like he goes mm-hmm. to kiss her on the cheek and she almost... I feel like she thinks that it might be a kiss on the lips and like yeah. just the headography of that all and how she's navigating that. I'm just like, ugh. I noticed that too. I was like, oh it's man. It's so like, devastating in a it's way. It's so devastating. Oh, it's such, ugh. It's so devastating. Oh my God. I That moment, it gutted me almost more than what happened next because I was like, oh God, that's so sad. And yeah. then they go back to her apartment or her house and... They're on the couch. And I think this is where we find out that he's a widower. Uh, I think somewhere in here we find this out. I don't know if it's before or after, but things get physical. And yeah, she decides to take the lead. Yes. Uh, and she just, yeah, she, she, re, you know, lets him know in uncertain, no uncertain terms that she can drive a stick shift. And she. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I was shocked by that. I was like, this yeah. show, they like the HBO used to pull this stuff. We're like, oh, we're gonna show you this. We're gonna show you her hand in his pants. We're gonna show you that. And it was like, you know, watch your back, HBO, because I feel like between the dead fetus and Ann Dowd's hand down some man, man's pants through his fly, uh, and besides pretty also pretty bold, and and to say nothing of the pregnant woman who gets shot to death in the end, you know. <laughs> I know. It's fucking ridiculous, you know? It is. It, <laughs> oh, gosh. And even right before this, too, you were saying about the widower, uh, the widower sort of situation and, like, how, I don't know, the conversation was so, like, he was like, yeah, I was kind of all alone for Christmas this year. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, I I wish I would have known we could. Like, it's like all this time, you know, especially since the night went so well. It's just, like, you wouldn't have known that you would have connected that well until now, but like, oh, you could have had a really nice holiday before this all, and maybe it would have been different, you know? Right. It's and they make plans. I think he says, "Well, let's celebrate uh, next Christmas." Yeah, next Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's and again, it's like, oh God, no, no, stop here, and 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 it was yeah. He he pulls away on the couch, and and again, this is a. As far as the world of The Handmaid's Tale, like, no one has ever seen Lydia like this, I'm sure. Like, the, no, yeah. But, like, the the sort of, I don't know, messy shame that Anne Dowd performs here is, oh, God. It's so, it, it's reminiscent of, I i don't think, I don't know if you've, have you seen Hysterical Blindness yet? Have no, you, not yet. I, it's hard to find. I have to track it down. You would love it. But there is a similar vibe in that movie where it's just okay. like, with Uma Thurman's character where it's like, Oh God, no, no, what are you doing? And, um, 
it's just oh it's so vulnerable and just like so raw to watch her go there I remember this scene because Amanda, Amanda Kaczynski, BSA, um, mm, we, we covered this episode on Squirrel Friends when she, I think we both watched it. And I, we both had like, it wasn't like conflicting opinions. I remember I was like, I just don't know why she reacted that way. Because if, if someone was going, if I was with someone and someone said like, this is moving a little bit fast, like I probably just would have been like, okay that's cool let's take a breather let's like have another drink not to like get them to like you know succumb right. to me right. <laughs> but right. like just like okay i that understood that i want to respect you and sorry i just got a little excited or something like that but i like, think what amanda said too which makes more sense obviously is like he he shut her down in a way it was like a rejection and like the stakes were so high to begin with that yeah. Of course she's going to just, like, stand up and not even be able to, like, look at him. I I agree. And I and I, what it also makes me wonder, this moment, because I was like, wow, this is a really big reaction. And what it was saying to me was, like, this is about so much. It's about that yeah. and so much more. It's about, like, that wound and then the, like, infection underneath that wound. It's, like, the rejection from this guy and, like, whatever that's triggering from what happened with her husband or whatever that's triggering would happen in, in some way in her sex life. Because I also felt like this was about Aunt Lydia. She was not only feeling rejected, but there was also the sense of, like, she had lost control of herself. And there was this part of herself that had been unleashed that I think she was she was ashamed that that had come out and and yeah. that made me think god what happened to this woman that her yeah. sexuality is such a um is such a monster inside of her as far as she's concerned i mean she ends up smashing her bathroom mirror like i just i thought wow there's so much more that has happened to this woman cuz at first i was like are you telling me that all of this is because some guy didn't want to fuck aunt lydia and that's yeah, why we got handmaids yeah. is that what's going mm-hmm. on here and yeah. it was like no 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 this is just um, there's more. There's more. Like I have. Like I'm. I'm almost surprised there isn't another flashback episode already about her life, because this just doesn't feel like everything, you know. Yeah, that's the one thing I didn't ask Keon, just in case it is in season four. But I don't. I don't think there is anything. Any continuation. I feel like we would have heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, listeners, come on. Um, yeah. But like, even because he does say, like, he does try to save it. He says, like, it's too soon. And uh-huh. then he does say, like, I'd love to see you again. Yep. And but yeah. like it's like it's not all lost and that's what makes it even more sad when she's like you know in her eyes and like she's already made that decision that it, this is done. This, I I mm-hmm. can never repair or like come back from what just happened even if I had time. And she yeah. just says, "Yes, I'll I'll see you at school" and wipes a tear away. I just oh. did the same motion with my eyes. I had to do it. Oh yeah, showing no, my Aunt Lydia. Yeah. You had to live your aunt out fantasy. I'm not going to stop that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's true. He. It's not like he does outright reject her. He is just like, hey, he. he's very reasonable with her. He's like, sorry, it's just a little too soon. I definitely want to see you again. And like, I, yeah, I think if she, if this wasn't informed by some other terrible trauma, she might have been able to like understand that and like maybe be okay with that. Of like, okay, all right, sure. We can move on from this. But it was like, clearly there's, there's something else wrong here, you know? Yeah, it kind of made me a little angry at the Principal Thorne because he seems like a great guy. Like, wasn't like, it's okay. Like, it was just a lot for me. Let's sit down and talk. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. that, that that you don't want that kind of resolution, though. That's not exciting. You know, there's no... 
I don't know. But I, I get that at the same time that he just kind of said, okay, I'm going to leave yeah. now. And it, and it could have been a situation where it's like, okay, I'm going to leave and, and maybe we'll talk later. But it, it yeah. we then see that like she transforms from here and like, she's not even the same woman anymore, you know, after this. And it's, and it took me a little bit to understand like, why is this happening? And it was like, Oh, she's blaming this girl for this humiliation. Like you, if you never forced me to go out and do all this, I none of yeah. this would have been, none of this would have happened. And so that to me was really great writing of like, wow, the, the way you punish this girl, Noelle, for what happened when she has like 20% at best involvement in this, you know, and that she like encouraged you and gave you makeup, you know? Yes. And this is the scene that we talked about before where like, it starts with like, it's a, it's basically like a shot of the back of her head. And like, Mm -hmm. they just like, they really hold that bun for a while because it's just like a complete shift of tone and like of her character. It's like, she is, she's becoming, she is Aunt Lydia at this yeah. point, or at least like the verily the, the earliest iteration of that character, and it's all held in the bun. <laughs> all oh, of yeah. her like disdain and frustration and like shame and oh gosh. I and like the way that she gets back, I don't say gets back, but like Mr. Thorne, Principal Thorne, is like, is there really enough here to trigger mm-hmm. an emergency removal? And she oh my gosh, the way that she reacts, it's like she can't look at him still. She's tearing up. And she's like, we we are required by law to remove moral weakness, Mr. Thorne. It's such an Aunt Lydia line. Such a Gilead line, more specifically. And it made me wonder, because obviously I don't know all the story, but it made me wonder at this point in time, like, because I, again, like, I don't know when Gilead became Gilead. Like, it seemed to me like, oh, like seeing the security guard at the school, I thought, oh, is there an element to all of this that's like, we're already in a little, like, parts of this dystopian future you know what i mean like that there are some influences but it hasn't gone like full ham it could be i mean i feel like um yeah the earliest earliest you know like before women's bank accounts just started suddenly started going to zero and it was like Mm -hmm. tossed over to their husband or like whatever male family member like that was when it started to really get real i think and that's like season one um yeah i i wouldn't I like to, that's a good observation. I like that. I would go with it. Yeah. And the other, the other question I did have though, is the, there's like a, whatever detective or whatever, who's interviewing Lydia. And it, it didn't make sense to me. Like, why would Ryan be already in a foster home? Why would he be interviewing her if they've already taken him out of the home? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Same. This, this seemed to me like, is there a reason to take him out? It's like, oh, well, he's already in a foster home. I was like, well, yeah, I okay. guess it's that rule of writing. It's like we'll we'll give you that one without well, one yes. detail. I will give you that. You know what? It's that hacks moment. You know, it's yeah. it's there's the hacks protocol, and then there's the hacks moment when I will forgive, you know, yes. or the other people moment. Yeah, where it's like, okay, I'll forgive that one moment. I didn't like it. Yes, yeah, but and Dow the way that you know it's there's so much in so much weight in the words. Like there's so many people with so much love to give and like in between those are just like these quiet like sobs you know mm-hmm. she's trying to hold it together oh and, i mean I, well uh, as she was saying that line like i knew that that's what the line was going to be and so it was really like just this pure moment of like let's watch Anne dowd deliver this line that mm-hmm. the whole fucking moment the whole episode hinges on you know yes. and 
it was just so good. It was just so good. I just, it was, it, it felt to me like one of those moments when you're watching live theater and you're like, oh my God, I'm like watching this person like act, you know? <laughs> like it just, what a privilege. What privilege. What, a, what privilege, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And then uh, Noel eventually burst in. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, and I, I still actually am unsure, even though I just watched this like two days ago, there is no slap that happens, right? Noel does not strike Aunt Lydia. I wanted there to be. There was no slap, yeah. unfortunately. She just calls her a cold-hearted fucking bitch, which was great, but I wanted a slap. I, I could have used a slap, and she's like... Yeah. She, but, like, even Aunt Lydia's response, like, as full form, fully formed Aunt Lydia, she's like, I had to, to protect Ryan. And then, she, you know, this is your fault, Noel. You're ruining his life. Oh. And then for her to just shout, I almost laughed at how comical it was. Like, as they're t- carrying her away, she's like, I forgive you. It was, like, oh, almost an afterthought. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like, she forgot to say it or something well, and, like uh, and go ahead it was like one of those like religious fanatics who's like well i forgive you and after they've like told you that like god hates fags you know what i mean yes i'm praying like, for you yeah, i'm praying for you yes yes oh yeah. yes. god that was it was a moment like that where i was like oh god i'm just so frustrated oh god i'm so frustrated and nothing's gonna happen about it you know yeah. like i'm not gonna get any relief from this you know yes and and that was really hard. And that's where I was like, why do people put themselves through this? You know, because then you, you get to that next scene in the supermarket. And and it's like, obviously, they're not going to kill Aunt Lydia in the scene. But you're like, oh, God, like, cut me some fucking slack. Could she at least get like a, you know, a, a shoulder wound, you know? Yeah, I mean, so we won't go. I mean, I want to talk just because also like. As terrible as this scene is, of course, it's, like, horrifying. It is so beautifully shot. And, like, yeah. the way that it's, like, uh, what do you call that? Besides just, like, set, just, like, art direction or set design. Like, the, the, the stores in Gilead and, like, the it, they're so sterile and weird. And just, like, there are only, like, a few things on the shelf. And they still have to go grocery shopping. But a lot of shit goes down in the grocery stores over the seasons, which I love. Like, it, oh, I nothing, love nothing good ever happens in a grocery store. <laughs> right. You'll learn that, like, if you do start to watch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, off uh, of Matthew, basically, like, loses it on Janine. Poor Janine, the, one, the handmaid with oh. it. She always gets shit on. Oh my God, the the, uh, the the Kenny from South Park of, of Handmaid's Tale. I know. <laughs> yes, I mean, and and obviously, like uh, Janine survives, but she she really did a number on her of Matthew. Yeah, but, and then she steal like she kills. I guess she kills like an uh, an armed guard. Like so it, like the glass goes through his neck, and then she grabs his gun. And I don't know what kind of camera is used, but it's like one of those where like the camera's right at the tip of her arm. It's like she's holding a selfie stick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's. And then. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. Ahead. No. And it's. Yeah. And it's. It's just like one of those moments where again I'm like crossing my arms against my chest, like oh god, oh god, who's gonna get shot? Oh, what am I gonna see? Like, it was. Uh, yeah, and she's just like having this this meltdown, you know, of like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And and. When she when she makes eyes with June with Elizabeth Moss, I was like, and Elizabeth Moss, this is where I was like, okay, I could justify giving this woman multiple Emmys because yeah. this is some crazy fucking lady acting right now. Yeah, I know the nod, just like the the, nod the wild eyed smile, yes. the nod. I mean, it was like, wow, you're 
I know you're a Scientologist, but like facts are facts, America. You're really good at this. <laughs> I know it's such a, <laughs> oh, it's such a conflict. But um, and then eventually she points it at Aunt Lydia, and then that's when she gets shot. And it kind of comes. I could. I I almost forgot that it happened, even though you, yeah. you know something has to happen. They take her out, and the way that she falls is like dancing almost like it's so mm-hmm. beautiful like the way that her like robe falls and like in slow motion <laughs> it's like high art i don't know how they did that i feel like there was a maybe it was outside of it but there was like a poster for like the alvin alley school of dance that this reminded me of <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes whatever it cost like just some sort of long flowy tan row but in this case it's the handmaid's uh yeah and the legs out and the spinning yes uh, yes i know exactly what you're talking about right and i mean and this is where jesus christ and dowd where she takes three lines and turns them into like an emotional like peak and valley of her going oh god oh no oh no and it was like Oh, you're brilliant because she's like, oh, God, what happened? Oh, no, she's dead. Oh, no, the baby's dead. I just, fuck. That woman. Like, sometimes I think about Ann Dowd, and then I remember that that movie Shoot the Rooster is going to come out with Ann Dowd. And Mass. I cannot wait for Mass. Oh, and Mass. I can't even talk about about Mass. Between Mass and Shoot the Rooster with Ann, Margot, June, Judy, Casey Wilson. God. Uh, I get emotional like about it. our prayers are being answered, yeah. I know, I, I know. But between that and mass, like, this could be the best year of my life. <laughs> and I quit my job, you know? <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm living vicariously through Anne and her success this year because it's like, yeah. you know, I'm looking at that gold derby now and, like, early predictions for Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. It's just... Can you imagine? It's too much to think of. Can you imagine if we got to cover an Oscar season where Anne Dowd is the front runner for Best Supporting Actress? Oh. I would throw myself out the window. Like, I just, I love it. Yeah, I, I feel like between Anne Dowd and Gene Hack, Gene Hacks, Gene Smart, <laughs> Gene Hacks, she is Gene Hacks. Yeah, she and is. Gene Hackman and yeah. Gene Smart. <laughs> I can't even get my jeans straight. I know. <laughs> I got my jeans on backwards. <laughs> Stop. It's oh, good. It's good. Oh, oh Jesus. Um, well, this is uh, this was a lot more fun than I thought they had made to tell was going to be. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's great television at the end of the day, and yeah. You know, I kept thinking, especially after the at the when the date was over and she was in the bathroom crying, it made me think of um, "Hello, my name is Doris." When Doris like yeah. has the Thanksgiving, and I thought, oh, Lydia needs a Roz. You know, she does need a Roz. She needs a yes. Roz. Oh my Roz! I ugh, that's I would do that movie again just to talk about Tyne Daly again. <laughs> A year later, we'll do the anniversary. Of... Yeah, you got two kinds of stuffing. Yeah, hello again. My name is Doris. That's what hello again. My name is Do- hello again. Yeah. My name is Roz. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You got two kinds of stuffing. Yeah, cranberry, no cranberry sauce. sauce. <laughs> oh, Fine. anyway. Um, well, so you are feeling like you're gonna keep watching. You're gonna you're gonna pick up where you left off. <sighs> 
I think I might. I think I might start with season two, episode two, and just see what happens. I don't. I think this is going to be a long investment. I'm, don't expect me to have a full report on all of season two next week. I think I'm going to take would never. my time. Because mm-hmm. Keon and I both kind of learned our lesson in season one, too. Like, I think we watched two, maybe three in a row. And by the end, we were like, whoa. It's just not, yeah. you know, it's like eating too much chocolate cake. It's great, but... Uh, you're not going to yeah. feel great. Right, right. No, this is not like six feet under is like that. You could do maybe two sure. episodes at a time and then you got to walk away. Yeah. yeah, you need to reset. But um, yeah, it's it's reignited the flame. And I, I it's really the lady acting that's that's fueling my desire mm-hmm. to finish yeah. and dive in. And I, I'll let you know. I mean, I feel like we're both pretty, you know, we have similar feelings on the show and just like how it how it impacts our psyche and our general mood. So uh, if I can do it, you can, I feel. Yeah, I'm going to let you be the Martha. You lead the movement, and then I'll... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Then you'll hang me in the town square. And then, yeah, and then I'll rat you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I mean, on that delightful note, I think we're getting yeah. laid off. Uh, well, where can folks find more of you? Uh, they can find me every Thursday on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. How about you, Colin? Well, you can find more of me on All Right Mary, talking about All Stars 6 currently. And you can find me of, of Drag Race, obviously. And you can find me on In the Details, the celebration of nuance, talking about meltdowns very soon just in Mm -hmm. time for summer and um which is almost over and of course you can get me on twitter at at, uh colin drucker instagram at colin drucker underscore and you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on twitter at bsa pod or you can send us an email at the bsa pod at gmail.com well Keep your papers peeled because Friday, our best supporting after show will be out. And yes, there will be a game. So get your cleats on because it's a game, I guess, that requires cleats. But uh, yeah. (laughs) Great. And uh, I guess that, as they say, is that.